so this morning we're, we're going to be talking about prayer, as we've said. We've had some, like, wonderful things to say on prayer that I think are really in line, hopefully, with some of the things that I've got to say. So I like when the Spirit does that, when He's speaking, you know? It's like confirmation that you're hitting some good stuff. Um, but I also saw the war room, and uh, there was... Um, there was just one line that I loved in the, in the war room that I, I hopefully want to declare over you all this morning where it said um, the, the, the older, older lady was trying to mentor the younger lady and she said, I see a warrior in you waiting to be released. I see a warrior in you waiting to be released. And I know for a fact that we have some warriors in here already doing their thing. But what I want to prophesy to you this morning is if you have a warrior in you that hasn't been released, can you allow it to come to the forefront? And I love the whole passage in the context of what they're talking in. They're talking about marriage, and this marriage was falling apart. They're fighting one another. They're just going after one another. And she's saying, you're putting your fighting in the wrong arena. You should be fighting in prayer. And I wonder how many of us that applies to different sectors, fighting one another in our family, in our church family, fighting one another, when our fighting should be done where? On our knees before him and letting him do what only he can do. It's not by might and not by power, but by his spirit. So I just want to encourage you, is there a warrior in you waiting to be released in the prayer realm? So Take that for what it's worth. And there's J.C. Ryle. He has a comment. He has a quote that he says. He says, prayer is the mightiest weapon that God has put in our hand. And and as we were worshiping, I just, I I don't want to to embarrass you or anything, but what's what's your name? Caleb. Jesse. I had a, as we're praying, you know, there's a quote that says, prayer is the mightiest weapon in in our hand. But I, I had a word for you. I was almost brought to tears that worship is going to be the thing for you that's going to break you into that warrior realm. And, and I don't know your backstory or anything like that, and that might not make even sense for years. But there's something on my heart that says worship is going to be something that, that overwhelms you and contains you, and you're going to be a leader in worship. So I, don't, I, I mean, it might not mean anything, but my heart, I was broke to tears for that. So, yeah. Aside from that, that's just something separate. But Prayer is the mightiest weapon in our hands. So can we just pray before we talk about prayer? Because I think prayer is one of those things that we can talk about it a lot, but if we're not doing it, it doesn't mean anything. Jesus, we just, we, we again, we recognize that there's nothing more important than you. Father, I pray that your presence would be here, not because of us, but because we're connecting with you. Lord, I pray that as we're praying right now directly to you, Jesus, that we wouldn't disconnect when we move into to talking about prayer, Father, but we would still be in a state of prayer where we're still connected with you. Lord, I pray that we would not turn off the Holy Spirit ears and our eyes because we're not praying or we're not worshiping Jesus. Lord, in my prayer this morning is that we would be a people that would leave here and we wouldn't turn off as we leave, but we would be still turned on, Jesus. We would still be, our ears would still be on to hear and, and our eyes would see what you're doing and what you're saying. Father, I cry as we only want to do what we see you, the Father, doing. And I pray that you would just, you would bring your presence in the midst, which it's already here, but open our ears to it. Open our eyes to it. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. So, the title of the sermon this morning, we can chuck it up whenever, is First Things First. And I think even some of the scriptures that Viv had said is, the first thing they did is they went to prayer. And so that... If we only catch that, I think we've, we've done pretty well this morning, that before we embark on anything and in everything, prayer should be the first thing that we're doing. 
And, and I want to dispel prayer as being something that is a religious exercise where we get performance points for praying for long hours. But I'm more going to submit to you that prayer is the connection to the life source. So this is not, yeah, you prayed for six hours, you get like six extra golden stars when you go to heaven. This is more like you're staying connected to your life source. Amen? So um, prayer has to be the first thing that we do in everything. And the question that I wanted to bring to you this morning as we're opening up is, are, do you have a need? D- does anybody have a need in here? I've got plenty of needs. Do you have something that you want to see come to fruition? Do you have something that you would like to see even us as a church move into or go into? Do you, do you have somebody that could use with some transformation that's in a heavy place? If you have that need, I want to submit to you that we need to go there in prayer and we will see those needs met. They don't happen on their own or in our own strength, but they happen as we come into God's presence. And I think one of the things that happens when we go to God's presence If you're praying for somebody else to be changed and you leave that prayer unchanged, I want to suggest you might not be listening because I think prayer changes the prayer before it changes anything else. And I think that's often the answer to the prayers is that when you're praying and then he changes you so that you can go and do in his power that which you need to do for that situation. So prayer is so powerful for so many different reasons, but you're saying, God, just make my wife less mean. Please, Father, just stop it. And he's saying, I want to make you less mean or whatever it is, right? But prayer changes the prayer. And um, I want to encourage you that if there is something on your heart that you're longing to see, I hope that we can develop a culture of prayer here. I, I, I pray that we can understand the power of his presence and when we connect to him that things really do change but i'm going to unpack that in a little bit but first i just want to tell a story because i hope stories are helpful to get just locked into the message in a different way but how how many of you get lost very often okay rissa does pip does anna does um shannon do you as well or or chris chris knows everything So whenever Angie and I go into Wellington, it's almost guaranteed we're going to take a wrong turn. And we call Wellington the vortex, that when you turn wrong in Wellington, you're now in a one-way street, and you're going to be on that one-way street for the next hour of your life, whether you want to or not, because there's nowhere to turn off, and you're just stuck there. And we'll text, if we're trying to meet somebody, I'll just text them and say, we're in the vortex. We'll see you sometime later. We don't know how long we're going to get there. But Nobody, I was thinking about it. Nobody chooses to get lost and nobody chooses to, you know, waste time or, or miss a turn or miss an opportunity. You just kind of, you, you think it's going to get you to where you're going and then it really doesn't. And so Angie and I have learned to only go, our only path through Wellington now is down by the waterfront because we know exactly what that is. And so even if we have to go down to the waterfront and cut way into Wellington, we're going to do it. You know, we're not going to risk anything else. Otherwise, we're going to get sucked into what we call the vortex. I'm telling you, it's, the struggle is real. Um, so recently, Angie had given me the task of going to Mitre 10 in Petoni. And I have some beef with Mitre 10 in Petoni because of where it's placed. But I was coming back from Wellington, and so I was um, I was driving in, and it was some little things for our curtain because our curtain was falling down in one of the bedrooms in our house. 
And so I need to get these little things for our curtain. And so I was, I was driving back, but before I left, I said, I didn't, I'd seen Mitre 10 before, but I couldn't quite remember where it was. So I checked on my phone really quick and I, and I knew it was kind of on, you know, the main road of Petoni that kind of goes through Jackson Street and there you go. It's Jackson Street and, um, there's a main road, and I knew it was kind of off the main road, so I, I pulled up my phone, and, I, and I, I looked, and I saw Mitre 10. It was blinking at me. You know, I typed in Mitre 10, and I saw it was kind of off the main road, just where I thought it was. And so I was like, cool, I'm on my way. So I headed down to Petoni, turned into the, the exit, and um, I made the turn where I thought it was, and I started looking around, and I came to this weird, like, V Street thing, and there was no Mitre 10. So I was in the wrong place, and that was fine. So I said, I'm obviously in the wrong place. I need to check my phone again because it's apparently not where I thought it was. I pulled out my phone again, and I um, I took quite a lot more time this time because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of dizzy from already having turned around too many times trying to find the silly place. And and this time, I actually spent quite a bit more time. I saw exactly where Mitre 10 was. I mean, I had the street exactly where it was, and I knew where I needed to go down. And I, I made sure that I chose the street that was closest to where Mitre 10 was on the map. And so on my phone, and so I proceeded off, I went down the street, I turned on the right corner, and immediately I saw Mitre 10, and I was like, I knew I'd seen it before. It was on the other side of Petoni than where I thought. So probably don't trust me to go pick up things for you from somewhere. Um, but I, I headed down, and I saw Mitre 10 immediately, and I was like, cool, I found it. Except I also saw, as soon as I saw Mitre 10, I also saw some train tracks right next to me. And um, I was a little bit worried about the train tracks, because they were between me and the Mitre 10. And so I continued driving down the street, and then I was just hoping that there was going to be some random bridge that was just going to take me over the the train tracks into the back of Mitre 10. There wasn't, but I kept driving, and I just in hope, and I was praying at that time, hoping that I didn't have to turn around again. And, And then I realized I was in the wrong place. So I stopped again. I pulled over. I got out my phone. This time, my phone wasn't going to leave me. Like, and I, I didn't, and everybody's saying, why don't you just do GPS where you have the weird lady talk to you as you're driving through, and I don't know why I didn't do it, but I didn't. So I pulled out my phone, and, and you know, myself was, was blinking on the screen, and so I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this place. And there was quite an ordeal that I had to do to go around and find, but what I did this time is every time I needed to make a turn... I wasn't as much worried about where I was trying to get. I just wanted to make sure that the, uh, the first turn that I was making was going to be right. And so I literally, every time I made a turn, I took a quick glance at my phone and I was like, all right, here we go. And I didn't even trust my rights and my lefts and my ups and my downs at this point. I just had to stay right here. And I eventually found my way to this stupid, stupid Mitre 10, okay? And I, I found the curtain things and I was really happy. And, we, and Angie fixed the curtains because that's not my skill sets. So as I was thinking about this story... There was some things that just kind of opened up to me in regards to, I felt I was really encouraged in regards to prayer. Because there's this progression that happened with me in this story that I think possibly looked a lot like my prayer life at different times, and I wonder if it resonates with you. That I think all of us could agree possibly that first things first, meaning that I don't think any of us is like, Prayer is a pretty bad idea. I, I, I wouldn't pray. I would imagine all of us can agree that prayer is a great thing to start into. Now, the problem here is, is if me checking into my phone is like praying, I followed that principle. But look what happened the first time. I already had in my mind where I thought I was supposed to go and do and be. 
And so when I checked in with God, if you will, if I started praying, I kind of already knew in my head where I was supposed to be, and I just wanted to check that I was doing it right. But regardless of what the map, the map didn't change when I looked at it the first time, and I was on completely the wrong side of Petoni. I wonder if sometimes if we're just checking in quickly with our own preconceived ideas of what something is or how it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like or how God is going to work in a situation, that we check in quickly and we say, yep, God, you're saying exactly what I thought you were saying. And we keep moving on and we go and we find ourselves in the completely wrong side of town. Or we're looking at, we saw this opportunity and we made a bunch of wrong turns. So we already had this thing in our mind that said, this is what it was, but we started with prayer. And then, and then if you even look at the next stage of what I did, I knew where I was supposed to go. Miter 10 was like this clear thing that I had to go to. But I even stopped and I took a lot of time. I took a lot more time. This is so, this might be you're taking your time through prayer. You're like, hey, actually, I need a, God, I know I missed that one. It wasn't exactly where I thought it was. Let me come back to you, spend some significant time with you of just saying, I really want to know where the layout is. I want to know exactly where Mitre 10 was. And see, the thing about Mitre 10 is on the map, if you go on Google Maps, you'll see the road is like right here. Mitre 10 is like right next to it. But the problem is the Mitre 10 parking lot is on the other side of the Mitre 10, which is quite a large parking lot. So the road that I was supposed to be on looked like it was really far away from, from where I was supposed to go. So I had thought this road was going to take me right into the Mitre 10. Now, I wonder if many of us know what God has spoken to you, or you've got a promise, or you've got something that, that you're striving for, if it's a healing, if it's a vision that you want to see come to fruition, if it's something that God has spoken to you for your children, and you see the destination, or you see where you're supposed to go, and you have in your mind exactly what you think it looks like, and you even spend time in prayer seeking God, God, I need to stay... I need to know where I'm going, and I need to know exactly what's around it. And then we head off on our journey, and we know exactly where we're supposed to go. And then all of a sudden, there's this huge obstacle in our path that we can't cross that's in the form of the train tracks that's completely blocking us. And we don't understand why we're in this place where we we prayed, we spent a lot of time, we knew exactly where we need to go. You can see where you need to go. Mitre 10 was very close to me at that point. And yet you have this thing that you can't cross. I mean, you could cross it, but I would have had to crash over the fence and over the, you know, the thing. So it could have been done. I was in the church van, so it probably wouldn't have been advisable to do it, but it could have been done. And I think sometimes many of us might just say, well, I'm close enough. Let's just hope, you know, police don't catch me on this one. And we go through. But I think the premise applies of prayer that if we're only worried about the destination and we even spend significant time of where we're going, we can miss the right turns and we can miss the obstacles that God is trying to lead us down. And so, as I, as I stopped the last time and I was looking at, at my phone, the focus was a lot less on where I was going, but it was a lot more on where I currently was. And I think it's really important that we know where we're going. But I made sure that every turn that I made and every stop that I needed to stop was correct. And I stayed connected to the source to make sure that I didn't make a wrong left turn or a wrong right turn. And that... My journey actually looked a lot different than I would have thought it would because I thought I'd mapped out the quickest, easiest plan to get directly there. And what I want to submit to you this morning is that prayer, what I've already said, is the thing that connects us to the source. Prayer is the thing that connects us to the source. 
and the source, if the source is my phone, that we can check in and have, even have a powerful time and we get this sense of where we're supposed to go, but if we don't stay connected to that source, then we can find ourselves with some train tracks in front of us that we can't get over, that we can't navigate through. Prayer aligns us to where we need to go, and it helps us see what we could not see on our own. Prayer helps us see what we could not see on our own. And I was even thinking, just if we're staying in this, this metaphor, sorry for this, oh, this thing is horrible. If we're staying in the metaphor of cars, um, Archer loves to sit in the van, and, he, and I don't let him turn the keys on or anything, but he loves to, um, he presses the unlock and lock button, and it, you know, the whole car goes, ksh, ksh, ksh. it just it can entertain him for hours. You know, we just leave him out there, and we go shopping, and uh, we come back. One of his also favorite things to do is hit the hazard lights, and they're just, ksh, ksh. and he's, he's, in the, he's in the driveway, so it doesn't really matter, you know, and um, so, ksh, ksh. And it's kind of cool because you see it's, it's cool for him. Um, it's cool for me because it entertains him. Um, and then if he gets really bold, he'll hit the horn on the, um, you know, and, and he knows he's not allowed to do that. So he'll just get one in every couple times. But I, I was thinking about just this, this relationship between these two things that I think Archer is too often like us or like myself in the Christian life where we are, we're saved, we're in the car, we're connected to God, and we even see God do some things. We see him, you know, unlock and lock the car. We see some power happen over here. We press the hazard lights, and there's power connected to that. The car doesn't have to be turned on to see the power go. And you even hit the horn and make a lot of loud noise sometimes, and you're like, here we go. That's pretty exciting. And so you go away, and Archer's like, I had a good time driving the car today. But I want to submit to you that I believe prayer is the key that turns the car on. That I think you can still have power and you can still walk in the thing that you, that, that God has gifted us because His Holy Spirit resides in us. But I believe that prayer is the key that turns the engine on. And then we get a whole new dimension of, of what that looks like. And I, I also think that sometimes we want prayer to be more like a teleportation device so that when you turn, you want to turn on your car and you want your car to disappear and then all of a sudden appear at your destination. But what I want to encourage you is that I believe prayer is much more in line with you turn the key on so that you have power, so the power sustains you until you get to your destination. It's not this automatic thing where you just all of a sudden disappear and you reappear in the, in the, the, the best imagined place but it's the thing that keeps you connected to that which needs to get you to the place you need to get to or the thing you've been praying for, interceding for. And so I wanted to just share a very quick story from the Bible with you this morning of this kind of a thing. Um, and, and many of you will know the story. It's from Acts 10, and it's about Cornelius, the centurion Cornelius. And he's a Roman centurion and his whole household is very devout. They fear the Lord. They pay, they pay alms. And it says he prays continually to God. He prays continually to God. And then one day an angel turns up and he's absolutely fright. He's just, he's so afraid. And, and the angel says, your prayers have been built as a memorial before me. Meaning, hey, I've seen your prayers. They've come up to me. I need you to connect with this guy named Peter, and he's staying in this other place called Joppa. Can you send some people to go get him? So he, after he realizes, you know, after he kind of calms himself down, he sends 
these guys to go down to Joppa, and they go to Joppa, and as they're on their way to Joppa, Peter is up on the roof praying. And so Peter starts, he's praying, but then he gets really, really hungry, and he, and he tells the people that he's staying with, can you cook me up a good feed? And so they begin to, to make him whatever they're going to make, and then as Peter's on the roof still, God throws him into this trance, and he has this vision of all this food that would be considered unclean for him to eat in that in, in the Jewish culture. And he puts it before him, and, and he says, I don't want to eat it. And God says, don't call common, don't call common, or let me read it right, because I'm butchering it. He says... says, by no means, Lord, for I've never, I I erased that part from the scripture. That's okay. Um, It's in your Bible. He says, don't call common what, don't call uncommon, unclean what I've made common. Y'all understand. God is saying, do not call this thing bad when I have said that this is not bad. And so my whole point here, because that's not, I'm, I hope that I'm not teaching on that part. That's not the part that I'm going into. The part that I'm going into is the prayer that Peter was in at the first part. And, and what happened is that as Peter was in prayer, his heart was being prepared for the thing that it needed to be prepared for so that he could do what he needed to do. As people were already on their way, they were knocking at his door as he was engaging in that. So Peter, his prayer time wasn't as much for him to go and revolutionize someone else. His prayer time was that he could be prepared to do that which God needed to do in him and prepare him before he received people that were different than him. He had an idea in here of what his mantle was, and God had already told him, go and preach the gospel to where? All nations. Were they reaching out to the Gentiles at that point, to people that were different from them? They had the vision already put, you guys need to go to all nations. And where were they going? They were staying with the Jews. And so Peter has a dream where God is saying, this food is not unclean. You do not call this bad what I have not called bad. And he didn't get it. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible says he was inwardly perplexed. He was inwardly perplexed. He was lost. He was confused. He didn't know where he was supposed to go or what he was supposed to do with this dream. And I wonder if many of us have gotten a dream from God or we've gotten a download where it might be for your own healing, it might be for somebody else's healing, it might be all those things that we talked about that you're praying for, that you're interceding for. Have you ever had a time in your journey where you've been confused? Is anybody confused right now? I can get confused about a lot of different things about where God is taking you. Do you understand what he's doing all the time? I certainly don't. My goodness. But this is what I want to submit to you. If Peter would have disconnected at this point, he would have missed everything because he didn't understand the dream. And I want to also give you this. He didn't give Peter the revelation of what that dream meant until days later. But what he did do is it says, while he was pondering the vision, the Lord spoke to him again. And remember, this started off with Peter being really, really hungry. Peter was really hungry, and he wanted to go, and he wanted to eat some food. Can you imagine if he would have had this dream, and then he would have booked it to go eat his food after he had the dream, and what would have happened at that point? I wonder how many of us have have had God speak to us in church, or have had God engage with us, 
And then we go and our minds come directly to, I'm going to lunch after here, and our minds completely leave whatever God might have been speaking. And it doesn't have to just be church. It could be any time you're engaging with him and just focusing on him and him alone. Do we disengage because we have other things that become the priority? And so Peter didn't disengage at that point. And it's just like what Viv was saying when she was sharing up here, that it's not always these like powerful times of prayer that you have, because I think Peter had his powerful prayer time. But it's as you go, staying sensitive to his ear, it's as simple as this for the very practical people here. God, what do you think about this situation? It's staying connected. It's staying aware of a God consciousness no matter where you are. Otherwise, we limit God to speaking only on a Sunday morning or only on a home group or only when we get really serious. So there's something that I really want to encourage you about keeping your ears and eyes open. And this isn't a striving because I think it can be easy to say, oh my gosh, I've got to pray 24-7 now and I've just got to be striving. But it's more a walking and being aware that God is always with us and not just walking out on our own, but saying, God, I'm confused right now about the dream that you just gave me. Can you help me out here? And as he was pondering the vision, and then the Lord said to him, there's men downstairs right now. Head downstairs, go with them without hesitation. And then he pulls some Star Wars stuff on them, and he goes downstairs, he says, I'm the one you're looking for, you know? And he, he heads off with them. And there's, there's a, a really powerful premise of what happens in this story as, as they move forward. Because Peter goes... And he gets to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius is so blessed that he comes. And Peter explains to them, and finally has the revelation when he gets into Peter's, when he gets into Cornelius' house. And he recognizes exactly what the dream meant. That he had been calling bad what God had called not bad. That the change that needed to happen in Peter wasn't even the change that needed to happen in those other people. It was in himself. There was something that shifted in Peter when he was praying so that he was able to do what he's able to do. And so Peter starts telling the gospel to these people that are hungry to hear it. He tells about Jesus, how Jesus died and he rose again and he engaged in that. And as he's preaching, the people fall out out under the, I don't know if they fell, but the Holy Spirit fell powerfully on these people. It just fell powerfully on everybody. These Gentiles who hadn't been baptized in water and hadn't gone through the thing that it's supposed to happen and how it's supposed to happen got rocked with God's Holy Spirit on them. And Peter was amazed and he says, I understand now, God, exactly what the dream meant, that I cannot call unholy what you have called holy. I cannot have what's preconceived in my mind to prevent me from going where I need to go. And I want to submit to you that this story is really a story of prayer. But I want to redefine how we think about prayer because prayer means to meditate, a petition, a plea. It means to intervene or to expect. But I often think we're wanting God to intervene somewhere else. But I think prayer is a chance for God to intervene in ourselves to see what needs to happen. I think as far as expectation, we need to spend time in prayer so that we can have an expectation for him to move and him to do those things. Because the more time that we spend with him, the more time we recognize who he is. If we spend time in his presence, if we spend time letting his presence invade us, then we can't help but have expectation of the things that he's going to do. 
And then we're so changed as the prayer that we're now able to do that which he called us to do. Prayer does a lot more than just, you know, living on a prayer, you know, and just think about just the concept of what that is. I just want to send up a prayer, and God, I hope it helps, and I hope it's effective. But I think God says, you need to get in my presence, because that's more what prayer is about than anything else. It's just being in the presence of the Lord. And we relegate prayer to being something that we only do when we're feeling spiritual or religious. And I I think that's a big lie that we can buy into, that if we want to stay in a God consciousness, that we want to stay... Where did Cornelius start? He was in continual prayer. There's a story in Acts 2 that I was so captured by. It starts off and it says, they were all in one accord and the Holy Spirit fell in power on them. This is the first time the Holy Spirit fell. This is the first time God's power rocked these individuals. I was so captured by that because I... I saw this picture of a unified church that wasn't fighting one another, that was just in unity, and I said, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. But I was was reading through Acts again recently. I was so challenged, because before they were in unity, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer, and then there were some other things that happened in the middle of them restructuring the apostles and the disciples. They were all in one accord, and then the Holy Spirit fell in power on them. So what's the whole point of this? First things first. I hope that we can develop here a culture of prayer, recognizing the value of what it is. And there's already people that have this powerfully. But I think as a body, if we could embrace the power of prayer, that prayer needs to be the first thing that we do. And if we have an expectation of him to move here, if we have an expectation of him to transform lives, we need to spend significant time in his presence to see that happen. Because we need to be changed first. And then we need him to connect us to the people we need to be connected to that we might not think we're supposed to interact with. There could be people that you think look really different than who you thought you were supposed to be, but God needs to change your heart so you can do that. Whatever preconceived ideas you have in your head of what that vision looks like or what it's supposed to do, we want to submit it to God in prayer first. Otherwise, we could find ourselves in a really difficult or different place. Amen? Submitting ourselves in prayer first. I think if I could have changed the title of the message to anything, because I think first things first is really applicable. Do you all know the, the Pringles slogan? Once you pop, you just can't stop. I think it's so fitting for something like this, that in our minds, prayer is this thing that we set time aside to do and to be, and we feel really good. But I want to submit to you, can we be a group of continual prayers? Can that when we tap into prayer and once we pop it, we just can't stop. Meaning we're not ever closing our ears down to what God could speak to us. That we have our GPS up and that every little turn that we need to make, we're actually able to make it rather than us being so focused on what we think this is supposed to look like and we start complaining or we start doing whatever it is that this isn't how it's supposed to be. Maybe the prayer needs to change you, the prayer, and then maybe you've missed some turns along the way, and that's why these obstacles are in front of us. And this applies to so many different areas. But I just want to encourage you of the power of prayer, because there's power in prayer because prayer is us connecting to the source. There is power in His presence. And I just imagine a group of people that are staying connected to Him, that are taking the right turns, you know, it's really hard to badmouth somebody when you're connected in prayer to Jesus. You know, it's really hard 
to go against what he's doing if you're really aware of him being there. We talked about the audience of one and how that transforms the way that you act and that you interact with others. I imagine a group of people coming here and interceding for God to touch lives. So I just want to encourage you to to see if you can just let this culture of prayer seep through. Not because prayer in itself is powerful as a religious activity, because it's not. There's power in Jesus. There is power in spending time with him and being aware of who he is and allowing him to tell you, don't take that turn. But, but God, I already know where the destination is. Excuse me. And then there's some train tracks in the way. So I just, I hope you're encouraged this morning just to say, man, there's power in prayer. We need to go after it with everything that we have. It's not a religious activity that's going to give us bonus points, but it's literally connection to his life source. And so as we're wrapping up, I want to give you a practical way to engage in this. 9.30 a.m. over in this little corner over here, it is open for anyone that wants to come in and join us in prayer. And, and I don't think it's significant just for a Sunday morning service. It's just a time when we're already gathering that I think a lot of us could come together in prayer. So can I open that up to you that if you want to, it's very open to you and you're welcome to come in. And we've got some folks that are going to be there that are already there. The youth have been really faithful and have been coming praying really early because they've, they've been talking about this principle anyways. But I think it's time that we engaged the key in the car and we started driving to our destination Amen. And that's, that looks different for each of us and the things that God is doing. But us as a body, I think it'd be so important for us to come together, to start getting before his face together. So 9.30 a.m., it's a very practical point. Not always do you get such a practical point to invite people to, I think. So I'm, I'm glad there's something that practical. Don't feel bad if you can't join us. I know that so many of you pray in different avenues, and prayer is so appreciated in any regard. So this is not the only option, but it's just one option for us to come together and pray. But I just want to close in prayer if I can and uh, just bless you on your way. Father, Lord, I pray that you speak this morning to your people. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that have a burden. Lord, I don't want to be a burdenless person. Lord, I don't want for us to be a burdenless people where we don't think there's a need that's worth getting before your face to see what you have to say about it. Lord, the answer isn't found in us. The answer isn't found in our intellect or our talents or our abilities. It is not by our power. It is not by our might. It's not by our cleverness or our cool preferential style or whatever it is. It is by your spirit. Lord, and your spirit changes people. Lord, your spirit transforms people. Lord, you bring freedom to those that are bound. Jesus, you heal those that are sick. Father, I pray that you would create a burden in your people to see change and transformation in other people's lives. And I, be, I pray that we could begin to engage this culture of prayer. Father, I pray that you would just bless your people. But Lord, as we move out from here, don't allow us to turn off the key in our ears of listening to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that the people would have a sensitivity to you like they've never had before. Father, let us listen to you. Lord, I pray that I, I thank you in advance that there's going to be transformation as we connect into your presence. Lord, we just bless your mighty name this morning. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So I'll see you at pre-service prayer, 930.